uh, Genesis chapter number 22 tonight, and we're going to look at this thought. There's one word that stuck out, and it's kind of stuck out in my heart this past week, and uh, kind of might be like a Wednesday night, so we've been dealing with prayer, not anything structured, not anything uh, necessarily completely outlined, but there's one word that struck in my heart, uh, and it's just been on my heart, been meditating all week, and we'll get into it tonight, and it's not typically a word that is found or, or the, the subject that we typically deal here, but it deals, and it, it's part of it. But look at Genesis chapter number 22, verse number one, if you're there, say amen. If you're glad you're saved, say glory. If you've had a pumpkin spice latte, say boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka times two. <laughs> and I've got pumpkin spice coffee at the house and... Uh, I made some, and, and, and Brother Jacob, Miss Caitlin, didn't want none. Highly offended. Probably going to vote them out. And uh, I love y'all. Just don't like the fact you don't like pumpkin spice coffee. And uh, you will one day, because there was a time in my life where I didn't like coffee. And then I had children. And coffee became my dearest friend next to Jesus. And uh, in the morning, give me coffee and give me Jesus, and I'll be okay. We'll make it through. Uh, somebody said they can't drink coffee when it's hot outside. I can drink coffee when it's hot outside, cold outside, uh, mediocre, humid outside, and uh, I can just drink coffee and uh, absolutely thank the Lord for it. And there's a few things I hope are in heaven. I hope coffee's one of those. Imagine that, sitting down at the marriage supper of the Lamb, Dunkin' Donuts, coffee, Krispy Kreme donuts, Hey, <laughs> I'm about to put the hole in the wall. Amen. Genesis chapter number 22. You don't get this physique by eating healthy. <laughs> you get this physique by eating. Genesis chapter number 22, verse number one. It says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here am I, or here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and he went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here, or abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood... Where is a lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and set unto the, him on the altar upon, and set him and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called upon out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, 
seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. I just have to think that that would make a scene. A ram in the thicket, caught, trying to get out, trying to free himself. It's amazing. It's amazing how God can hide your blessings right in the midst of your life. And then he has a way of revealing it to us that you say, that has to be God that did that. Verse number 14, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. Lord, what a blessing it is to be your child. Lord, entitled, Lord, and allowed to be part of the family of God. Lord, written into something I do not deserve, a joint heir with Christ, all that you possess, Lord, all that you have and all that you own, God, you allow us to be a part of it, God, and at our disposal. We ask you, Lord, tonight that we'd never get over the fact that we, as undeserving as we are, get to be a child of God. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd just work in our hearts. Help us tonight, Lord, to get into the word of God, but Lord, help the word of God to get into us tonight. I ask you, Lord, you help me to preach with clarity and understanding. Lord, I, help you, I ask you, Lord, tonight that you me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with your spirit. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, speak to our hearts directly and, Lord, on a personal level. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you don't let us leave out of here the same way we walked in. We love you. We thank you. We'll give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to look at verse number five tonight of Genesis chapter number 22. We know the story, Abraham and Isaac, how God has asked Isaac or asked Abraham to take his only son, Isaac, and to sacrifice him on top of the mountain there in Moriah and how God has already provided a sacrifice like we mentioned earlier. But I want you to look at verse number five and there's a word that sticks out there, at least it did to me. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. We'll go yonder and worship and come again to you. Let me ask you this evening, what does it mean to worship? What does it mean to worship? We live in a day and age where we have a worship service. We label it a worship service and there's a worship pastor who has a worship team behind him and we go in day in and day out and there's performance and there's entertainment and there's uh, effort and there's exercise and we have to step back and say with all that going on, is there genuine, real worship going on? And sometimes we, we struggle with the definition of worship and so we tie it to the word praise. It is praise and worship. Now, no doubt this evening, those two things do go hand in hand. That praise and worship are two things that every Christian ought to participate in and find themselves faithfully practicing and, and being a part of. But though they go hand in hand, praise and worship are not identical. In essence, they are not two words that describe the same thing. Praise is the lifting of one's voice, the lifting of hands, saying thank you God for what you've done in my life. I like on Wednesday nights because sometimes the prayer request turns into praise reports. We thank God not just for what he has done and what he's already doing or what he's already done but what he's currently doing and we ask him for the request and then somebody says I just gotta praise him because we prayed for this and God answered and God gave us exactly what we needed. 
And can I say tonight, I absolutely love praise. I love, I love to praise myself. I'm not, that didn't sound right. I love to participate in praise myself. And I love to hear other people praise the Lord. I love to hear amen. I love to say, I love to hear people say thank you, Jesus, during the service. And no doubt, I'm thankful to go to church where praising the Lord is not the abnormal, but rather it is the normal. We come here, we thank God. But tonight, praise and worship are two different things. And when you study it out, you'll find out tonight, when you look that word worship up in Genesis chapter number 22, verse number five, you'll find out that worship is almost in, in position completely opposite of praise. Praise is the lifting up of one's hands, the, 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 the lifting of one's voice. The word worship itself means to bow down. It means to find yourself laying prostrate before somebody. In essence, in, in, in biblical times, to show your greatest humility and your greatest honor to somebody was to go down before them and, and lower yourself down to their feet. We often think of the lady in the New Testament who finds herself at the feet of Jesus, wiping his feet with the tears rolling off her, eye, her eyes and with her hair, and there's a great picture of worship that is going on there. Can I say tonight in that passage of scripture, not everybody was in the same position. Not everybody was doing the same practice. You could say not everybody was worshiping in that account in the New Testament. But we see here tonight that there's a definition of worship. It is the laying down of oneself before somebody. And what I find interesting here is that the word worship is mentioned in this account of Abraham and Isaac. But what I find even more interesting is if, uh, and, and I, I, I just typed it into my Bible app, and so if it's wrong, blame the tech developer, don't blame me. But I typed it in, here's the interesting thing, that word worship is the first time it's mentioned in your Bible. Now, there's a thing when you're studying the Bible, there's a rule uh, to go by, it's the law of first mention. That means when there's a truth or a word or an idea then it's mentioned in the first time in your Bible, it'll carry that same definition throughout the entirety of the scriptures. And what we find here tonight is that this is the first mention of the word worship. Interestingly enough, we're halfway through the book of Genesis. Almost halfway through the book of Genesis and we finally find somebody worshiping the Lord or having the plans to worship the Lord. But what's interesting to me is not just that Abraham was 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 talking about worship, but the scenario in which he's talking it about uh, in his life. It's, it's not the average uh, a scenario that you and I would probably tie to worship. Oftentimes, uh, tonight when we think about worship, we, we go into a, 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 you ever heard this phrase? It's a service that got on. You just had to been there. I mean, it was one of those services. I wish I could explain to you. I wish tonight that I could sit up here tonight and play in vivid detail the service we had at camp that Thursday night. Boy, the Lord met in there. The Lord got with us. There was praise. There was worship. The atmosphere was, was just incredible. And the presence of the Lord. Now, we know he's, he's all places at all times, but sometimes he makes himself known. He reveals that, that, that inner presence, so to speak, and I thank the Lord for that. But tonight, we're gonna to look at this idea of worship. We're gonna look at the first mention of worship in your Bible. Notice tonight, there's four truths that we can pull out of the first mention concerning this idea of worship. Notice, number one, there was the expectancy of worship. Look at verse number five. 
And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. What Abraham was saying was me, hey, fellas, y'all hang out right here. Me and Isaac, we're going over yonder to worship. I, I firmly believe tonight that Abraham was a southerner because only southerners use the word yonder. He said, me and the lad are going yonder. But notice this, he went over there with an expectancy to worship the Lord. And so many times we come into church, so many times we go about our day saying, boy, if everything's right and everything's okay and everything fits the bill, then I'm gonna have a great time of worship. In essence, we walk into church, we say, well, if everything is, if, if they sing my song, if the preacher preaches my verse, if, if, if the choir sings like they got the, the, the unction on them, then I will worship. But that wasn't Abraham's attitude. He said, we're going over there to worship. We are making all plans. We're making all, all, all of our idea is to go over yonder and worship. We see the expectancy of worship. Let me ask you this morning or tonight, when you come to church, do you come with the expectancy to worship? When you get up in the morning and have your personal time with the Lord, as you go through your normal life, are there any times where you say, you know what, today I will worship the Lord? You say, well, preacher, I, I, I could do that if I didn't have so many issues. If I didn't have so much going on in my life, if I didn't have so much to contend with and to deal with, then yes, preacher, I would get up and worship the Lord. Let me ask you this morning, has God told you to go lay down your only son? That's what he's asked of Abraham here. He said, Abraham, take thy son whom thou lovest and lay him down for me. Sacrifice him for me. And here's, God has asked him a big thing, a hard thing. And what does Abraham do? He says, I'm going over to worship. Even though he's asked me of a great thing, he's still worthy to be worshiped. So we see number one, the expectancy of worship. He went fully planning to worship the Lord in spite of the difficult situation that he was in. I still love verse, uh, verse number seven. Isaac is, pretty, is a pretty, pretty smart fella, pretty smart young man. Daddy, I see the fire, and I see the wood. Where's the lamb? Hey, Daddy, you're missing something. We've done this before, Daddy, and, and you don't have the lamb like you're supposed to have. But here, Abraham says we are going with the full expectation to worship the Lord. Think how different your day would be if you got up in the morning and said, today I will worship the Lord. I will bow down before him. I will lay myself down before him and give him everything I have and all that I am. We see the expectancy of worship. Then notice verse number five, same verse, we see the separation of worship. We see the separation in verse number five. What does he tell those two servants, young men to do? He says, stay right here. Me and the lad will go over. Me and my son will go over. And here's the thing. A lot of times we, we live with this mentality that if, if everybody else, you know, if, if everybody else is doing it, then I'll join in. You ever thought this? Maybe the preacher asked for a testimony. You think, well, if anybody else testifies, then I'll, then I'll testify. Listen, I'm not getting down on you tonight. That's how I am. 
I mean, I would testify, but you know, I don't know. And so if somebody else testifies, then I'll do it. Here's the thing. If Abraham would have had that mentality, well, if my servants encourage me to go, if my servants tell me to go worship, then I'll go worship. But Abraham says, listen, y'all fellas stay here. Me and my boy are going to worship. We are going to worship the Lord. Here's the thing. And if all you ever do is worship in church, all you ever do is participate in corporate worship, it's great, it's wonderful, but you're missing out. There is nothing that is just as good and just as, as satisfying as in your own time, at your own place, worshiping the Lord all by yourself. I wish I could explain it to you tonight, but when it's not, you're not asking for nothing. You're not, you're not, you're not uh, begging for anything, so to speak. You're, you have just simply found your place at the feet of God, and you're not just thanking him for what he's done, but you're thanking him for who he is. You're worshiping him. But notice this tonight. There was a separation from the group. But notice tonight, there wasn't just a separation from, but there was a separation too. Who did he bring his lad? His son with him. In essence, he was saying, son, you're going to come with me and us together as a family are going to worship the Lord. Let me ask you this evening. When's the last time as a family you worship the Lord together? Well, preacher, if my wife, if my children, all that know, Abraham led by example. Abraham took his son with them. Fellas, the spiritual authority and then the spiritual temperature of your home does not fall on your wife and children. It falls on you. Where much is given, much is required. Oh, we want the authority of the home. We want to have the leadership of the home. Can I say tonight, that's more than just getting what you want for dinner and having your drink refilled. That is leading your home by example. So tonight, if there's no worship in our home, there will be no worship in our churches. And if there's no worship in our home, it's not the youngin's fault. It's not mama's fault. It's daddy's got to lead by example. We see the expectancy of worship. We see the separation of worship. When was the last time you led your family in worship? Then notice number three tonight, we see the faith that is tied to worship. The faith that is tied to worship. Look at verse number seven. Isaac asked about the offering. Daddy, where's the lamb? Verse number eight, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went with so they went both of them together. <laughs> Abraham didn't worship because the outlook seemed good at the moment. Abraham didn't worship because all of a sudden he realized all the, the dots were, 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 were crossed and you know, every, everything was the way it was supposed to be. He went and worshiped not because of what God had already done. He went and worshiped because of who God was. In essence, what he was saying <laughs> Son, obviously you can see the sacrifice, but Abraham knew. Isaac was the sacrifice. In essence, Abraham's worship was driven by faith because if it was driven by his feelings, what father would lay down his son? What father would sacrifice his son? That's why Christ dying on the cross of Calvary is so wonderful and so magnificent because in the natural man's mind, it makes absolutely no sense. 
Can I say that? I wish I, wish I was super spiritual. I wish that there wouldn't be an ounce of, uh, of doubt and an ounce of concern that would cross my mind in order for me to lay down my son for somebody else. I would have a hard time to do that. I'd have a hard time just to write that off and say, hey, that's a-okay, that's perfectly fine, but here's God, that's what God did for us, and here's what, that's what Abraham's willing to do with Isaac because Abraham's, Abraham's worship was not towards Isaac, but it was towards God. In essence, if Abraham was willing to hold on to Isaac, even after God has told him to lay him down, we'd find out that Isaac actually worshiped, or Abraham actually worshiped Isaac and not the Lord. And so in essence tonight, when Abraham, by faith, made the journey, and he went over there to worship, he didn't worship because he already knew the beginning from the end. He went and worshiped on the goodness of God. I heard one commentator say it this way, that Abraham's faith was so great and Abraham's faith was so deeply entrusted in God that if God was going to ask him for his son, Abraham fully believed that God could raise him from the dead. Can I say tonight, do we have that kind of faith in the Lord? And that's the kind of faith that is tied to worship. So many times when things don't go our way, so many times when things don't work out the way that we want them to work out, we cross our arms, we pooch out our lip, and we get mad at God, and we blame God for everything. And reality is, if God didn't do anything else for us, if God never gave us another blessing, if God didn't put anything else in our life that is good and wonderful, he in himself is worthy of our worship. We see it tonight, the faith that was tied to worship. Abraham, a lot. See, what drives our praise is what God does for us. We praise the Lord for a paid bill. We praise the Lord for a recovered health issue. We praise the Lord for a physical blessing. We praise the Lord for protection. We praise the Lord for all those things. But worship is different because worship says, God, you are enough in and of yourself. I don't need anything else, Lord. And I'm laying myself down before you because you are the only one that is worthy of my worship. Maybe in the next few weeks we'll get down there in the, uh, the law and we'll figure out there were some statutes, there were some, there were some regulations that went with worship and how we are to worship. But notice here tonight we see the picture of a great faith that is tied to worship. He worshiped because he believed God could. He believed that God was able. And can I say tonight, that's what ought to drive our worship is that we know that God can and that God is able and that God is great and there's none like unto the God of heaven tonight. We see that the expectancy of worship, he said, I will, we will go worship. We see the separation of worship. Then we see the faith that is tied to worship. Then notice number four tonight, we see the reward that is tied to worship. Verse number 11 I mean, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> I'd have been Isaac. I'd have said, hold up a second. <laughs> I ain't laying down there. I ain't laying down there. And can I say tonight, that's the beauty of, of, of what the family's supposed to be. When daddy serves and follows God, and it's evident in his life that he believes God, children are willing to follow. They're willing to understand. They're willing to trust. And can I say tonight, that's exactly what happens here. Isaac said, Daddy, we ain't ever done it this way, but this is what God told you to do, and I'm willing to lay myself down. But we see here tonight that there's a reward tied to Abraham's worship. Because in verse number five, he doesn't say, hey, me and, the, me and my son are going over so I can sacrifice my son. He said, I'm going over to worship the Lord. 
And there's a tied reward that is tied to his worship this evening. Verse number 11, so the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. In essence, he said, when you said you were going to worship, you wasn't lying, Abraham. You've come to worship me. You've come to lay down everything that is yours and even you yourself, your own will. You're laying it down at my feet. And I realize, and God said, that I know that you're no longer, that you're not worshiping the thing that I've given you, but you're worshiping me. And so many times in our life, we get a good thing that God blesses us with. Can I say tonight that God has all right, has all authority to do as he pleases, even when it hurts, even when it's hard. He is the giver and the taker of life. Every good and perfect gift I have is because God gave it to me, but he has all right to take it out of my life. What gets dangerous is when I try to keep my hands on it. Because in essence, we don't think we're worshiping it. We don't think we're bowing down before it. But when we are unwilling to relinquish it and to let it go, in essence, what we're telling God is, I'd rather worship that than you. Because this is greater to me than you are. But we see there's a reward tied to the worship. Verse number 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. See, if, it, if, if Abraham really wasn't worshiping the Lord, he wasn't laying down himself and, and was desiring to please the Lord, the moment the angel said, hey, don't touch him, he'd have said, son, pack it up, get out of here before God changes his mind. But he sees the ram in the thicket and he said, God is still worthy of my worship. God is still worthy of, of, of me laying myself down before him. And thankfully, I don't have to lay down my son, but I was willing to. But can I say God had a better sacrifice? God had a better plan. In essence, when Abraham grabs the, the ram and he sacrifices it unto the Lord, he realized exactly what his worship was actually going to be, what it was going to look like the reward that is tied to worship, you begin to realize how great and wonderful God really is and how he's already prepared and planned things that you haven't even thought of. <laughs> Abraham, Genesis chapter number 22, verse number one, has no idea how this is gonna play out. I can see he's, like, he's probably like me and you in his mind. We know he's a human being. We know he has the same flesh, the same mind that you and I have. And I'd have been thinking, all right, how's this going to play out? I'm one of those people that before I ever have a conversation with somebody, in my mind, I've already played it out 20 different ways. If they say this, then I'm going to say this. And if they say that, then I'm going to say that. And here's the thing, I'll play it out 20 ways. And somebody walks up to me and, and they don't fit none of them 20 ways I've already prepared for. And they'll say, you know, preacher this, that, and the other. I think, I have no idea what to say. No idea what to do. In essence, that's Abraham. He, he knows what God is expecting and desiring out of him and what he's, what he's asking him of, but he has no idea how it's gonna play out. And yet, in the midst of uncertainty, Abraham says, I will still worship the Lord. I will still bow myself before him and say he's right and say he knows better than I do, that he is worthy 
of my worship. Can I say that? I, I wish, I wish it was easy. We know it's easy to preach. It's easy to say tonight, but this is difficult to live. Because when doubt comes into our life, when uncertainty comes into our life, a lot of times our worship goes out. Our worship is replaced with worry, fretting, fearful. But my prayer for my life is that even in the midst of uncertainty, I will maintain my desire to worship the Lord, to bow myself before him and say, Lord, you know right. Lord, you're worthy and you're the only one. It's amazing tonight that the first mention of worship isn't at a revival service. It isn't at the falling down and and the, the breaking down of the walls of Jericho. It isn't at the crossing of the Red Sea. It's at a time and a point where God asks a man for a great thing. And his worship is tied directly to his trust of God. In essence, tonight when there's no desire in our heart to worship the Lord, you probably could say that our trust in God is wavering. Because there's nothing greater for then for a man or for a woman to find herself or himself at the feet of Jesus, saying, Lord, in the midst of all going on, in the midst of all this uncertainty that I'm facing, Lord, I'm willing to take my whole self and lay it down before you. Lord, if you ask me of a great thing, Lord, you're worthy of it. And Lord, I'm willing to trust you. Trust and worship go hand in hand. You will not worship that which you don't trust. But you will worship that which you do trust this evening. And so as we look at this thought in the next few weeks of what is worship, I want to ask you this question tonight. I want you to think about it this week. Let's prepare to come back next Sunday night and deal with this idea again. When's the last time you genuinely worshiped the Lord? You found yourself before him, humbling yourself before the mighty hand of God and saying, Lord, it's not because of my many blessings. The Lord, I appreciate them. And Lord, it's not because of, of my apparent promotion in the things that are seemingly going well in my life, Lord, that I find myself here. But Lord, I find myself here because you're worthy to be worshiped. And you're the only one that is worthy of worship. We see the expectancy of worship. I challenge you to get up tomorrow and say, today I will worship the Lord. I will worship the Lord. I will find myself at his feet, giving him the honor and the glory that is due unto his name. Separation of worship, the faith that's tied to worship, and there's a reward tied to worship. That which you expect will become a realization. (laughs) I can imagine not only is Abraham worshiping the Lord, but I'm pretty sure Isaac was too. Because Abraham was having to lay down the life of his son Isaac was having to lay down his own life. He found out that God had something better than both of that, or both of those. And I'm grateful tonight that there's a reward that is tied to worship. When you bow down, you give God everything. And Lord, you say, it's no longer about myself, what I can do. The moment things start to happen, you realize it ain't you. It's God doing those things. But if we're not willing to worship, we won't recognize that. We'll be too busy worried about trying to do it ourselves. So I encourage you this week, to meditate on this thought of worship. What does it mean to worship the Lord?